get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. We are joined by all of us tonight, surprisingly. Uh, I think I said that last time too, but it's always surprising. As uh, tonight we're going to cover what happened at the draft and take a look at free agency ahead. Eddie, um, are, we, are we able to stay live tonight? Yeah. I'm very worried about this. Yeah, the first, uh, first live stream <laughs> in, in a while. It's uh, internet's fixed, so we're good to go. That temperamental Canadian internet. Eddie literally broke uh, his Wi-Fi extender yeah. with his hand walking downstairs. It's wonky. Uh, oh, sorry, I thought I was talking about something else. He decided to crush it. Just broke it. He's <laughs> trying to sabotage <laughs> the, the podcast. Yeah, he didn't like how the offseason was going. <laughs> I saw that Nick it. Ritchie didn't get a qualifying offer and I just <laughs> sent me Is off. Nick Ritchie still my background? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Is he there? Yeah, there, oh, there he is. Yeah, perfect. Is Steven here? I am. I'm right here. Oh, okay. oh hi. He heard Hello. Nick Ritchie, and he just like went into a blind like <laughs> rage. Wait till we talk about him during free agency talk. He's going to love it. It's going to be my favorite part. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Well, we you haven't it. talked about it all day or anything, right? So it's like, yeah. it's going to be... I've had a lot say. of time to think about it and sit and make sure I'm coming to a, a thoughtful, um, balanced opinion. Reflected a little. Yeah, exactly. Soul searched. Yeah, I figured you take a subjective approach to everything. You're very understanding. Uh, yeah. I, I try to be an empathetic guy. Yeah, that's you're you well thought out. That's that's what we all say about you behind your back. <laughs> 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 so I think we should kick the show off uh, with giving an overall grade. To the Ducks, where we kind of felt like their overall, not based on any one pick in particular, like an overall grade of how you felt they did. I know that uh, two guys in this podcast, Eddie and Steve, you know, they really wanted uh, Eklund. Really did. Like, high-scoring winger. Uh, a lot of potential. Oh, the draft. Yeah. But instead he went to uh, our favorite team, the Sharks. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I kind of wanted everyone's overall approach to this because you saw a lot of hate online for them. And, and you know, it's funny about, what? like, we talk about it every damn time we talk about this team. Like, everyone hates everything Bob Murray does, no matter what it is. We're at the point now where the team's been bad for, like, what, two and a half years? So everyone's pretty pissy about mm-hmm. literally everything he does, whether it's good or bad. So, Steven, what, what would you give uh, the Ducks overall on draft weekend? Uh, I, honestly, I think it's hard to give them – Honestly, anything other than like an A minus. Um, wow. I, I they got three guys who were semi regularly projected to be first round level talents with their first three picks. Um, they took a couple flyers later, but that's what those rounds are for. The three guys that they took, you know, right off the bat, I think you can see a vision of the team going forward. Um, you know, Mason McTavish hopefully develops into a a, a strong uh, second-line center um, who can kind of provide that kind of depth and support behind Trevor Zegras. Um, 
Owen Zellweger. Owen, right? Zellweger? Oh, yeah. Is Owen Zellweger. Zellweger. There Scandinavian it is. type name. Um, you know, he's a young, small, shifty defense uh, defenseman. You know, I think he's like six days away from being in next year's draft or something like that. So there's still a ton of room to improve. You know, he's I think he's like 17, so you still maybe even have like a growth spurt or two to hit. Um, you know, there's a lot of potential there. And Sasha Puyastov is a goal scorer, which is huge, which is what we need. Like, this team just needs goal scorers really bad. I think that's one of the reasons me and Eddie were so high on Eklund is that he does have the ability uh, and the potential to be a play-driving winger and kind of help spur offense uh, and have a guy who can create outside of um, Zegris. And to a degree, that kind of sounds like something they're hoping that Sasha Puyastov can turn into. So, I, you know, I thought it was a really good, good draft. I'm so bad with prospects, and I'm just kind of coming along here in the last two years with like learning about these guys. When I first heard you guys say Eklund, I thought you were talking about that stupid guy that always puts out fake rumors and everyone thinks like, the hockey buzz guy every year. Yeah, the hockey, <laughs> <laughs> hockey buzz guy. This is I thought for sure. I'm like, you guys talking shit on <laughs> Eklund from from hockey buzz like that? Was that really? And I'm like, oh no, he's actually a winger. Okay, cool. Glad I didn't say that in chat. I saved it for the show because I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? I don't want to look stupid. Yeah, I'm just saying. With, <laughs> uh, it's always better to roast me when people can hear anyway. Um, but Jay, I know that you're not, you know, like on top of prospects like me either. But did you have an overall feel? Were you happy with this? I mean, just basically, you know, the you know the first pick, Mason McTavish. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the only one that I, I kind of saw anything about. Oddly enough, um, you know, I haven't had a ton of time to research you know, prospects or anything. And even if I did for the most part like people get excited about certain prospects but for me it's like yeah they do great against you know comparative levels of competition but i just want to see what they do when they get to the nhl because that becomes a whole different level that they have to hit so i i always kind of see it and go like oh well he might do good he might not um as far as as uh, mctavish goes he i thought he was um i was a little little worried that he was kind of on par with kind of the Nick Ritchie type. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about him later. Oh, I know. No. But, but what I saw there is like, he's like, he's like, oh, he's big. He's physical. He has a great shot. And that I heard that same line about Nick Ritchie. Oh, he'll fit in so well with the duck system. He's a big body like they want. That sort of deal. And I just, I get flashbacks when I hear, oh, he's a big body. He's not very very good skating wise but he's got a great shot that's you know above par in in his class and I was like that's all I heard about Nick Ritchie so I'm like at least this guy's a center and at least he might be able to kind of you know kind of line up a little bit better for what he's we need more Gallagher. responsible since he's being trusted with the with the center position right so <laughs> yeah. I, I guess but you know so like I said it's I I from what I heard, he was ranked a lot lower than what we actually took him. And that was a little surprising. Like, yeah. we had him about a, a little higher than what he maybe should People have been. Thought, like, Eddie explained to me, and I don't, I know Eddie could just say this, but, like, you said it to me in this because I had to have the same question with Ed. It's like, wait, like, do you not like this guy? And I guess the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, like, the other teams probably felt they could have grabbed him later. Other, like, pundits thought the Ducks could have probably, you know, traded and got and still got him. Like, they still could have got him at, at another time. Um, but he, I guess, on some projections, Eddie said he was ranked as high as, like, second or third. So it just depends on which, uh, which sheet you look 
looking at, I guess. Yeah. 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 It, it, like it honestly depends where you're looking. Right. And that's the problem now is, you know, probably like five, 10 years ago, there was really only like three or four sources you could go to. And in, in terms of you know, where you look at, at, you know, real rankings of people who've actually taken the time to look at these guys. Now there's 10, 15 reputable places you can look at. And the rankings are all over, all over the place. You've got now elite prospects because there's so many, they have to consolidate those rankings and really say consolidated rankings. So you get an idea of where the consensus is on a guy. So for McTavish, he was number eight uh, on the consolidated rankings. You know, um, I think it was Dave who just put in the chat here, or Daniel Lowry said Central Scouting, uh, NHL Central Scouting had him at number two for North American players. So that was just below Owen Powers, above Matty Beneers, who went second overall to Seattle. I think Beneers was fourth or sixth on the uh, the central scouting list. So there are some... Eddie, before you get too deep on that, though, yeah. isn't it true that a lot of these guys, I mean, because of COVID, they didn't see these guys a lot. Like, they saw tape, right? Isn't yeah. that what most of these teams saw was tape? It, yeah, in, in some instances. Like, in, in McTavish's case, uh, the OHL didn't come back, so he didn't get to go back to Peterborough. He played a handful of games of pro hockey in Switzerland. I think it was nine games. He had nine goals. And they're second assists. league, right? Not not in the top league. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure yeah, it was it was. The but that's also league. the same league that Austin – I'm not comparing them. <laughs> oh, I'm we got Austin Matthews? We got Austin Matthews at third? <laughs> Austin Matthews also played in that same second division Swedish league. We're getting the Canadian version of Austin Matthews, Jack. Uh, oh, uh. God, I hate myself for even saying that. <laughs> I and, knew and, it was Eddie, coming. Before you continue, Jay, if you had to give him a grade, what would you give him? I know that Stephen got a grade in. What did you? What oh, do you crap! Give? I don't know. I didn't really pay attention. So uh, we'll, we'll go B plus. I, I'm not as uh, <laughs> as enthusiastic as. Uh, is <laughs> uh, dude? I can't remember his name now. Who are you, <laughs> Stephen? <laughs> I wanted to say Ed. He threw me off so much on the uh, Matthews. <laughs> so we either got Matthews or Richie. I guess is what we're saying between us two. There's <laughs> right. not a lot of ground to make up there. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close in their comparisons. But yeah, yeah like same guy. I I yeah, see Spider the, Man. the the Nick Richie PTSD that that people get from this pick. Uh, they played for the same team. They're listed as modern day power forwards. Good shot. Like there's a lot of the similar verbiage that we heard when they drafted Nick Ritchie. When you have Mason McTavish, now they're not the same player. Like there's a lot of those similarities of the same same team and and you know kind of big power forward, good shot uh, that's going around. But uh, Mason McTavish is a lot more to his game uh, than Nick Ritchie had even at at. Well, when Nick Ritchie was in, in junior hockey. Uh, there's a lot more well-rounded game defensively. He can skate a little bit better. Skating's not really you know, the, the strongest point of his game. I think his shot uh, is a little bit more well, well-rounded other than just really having a hard, powerful shot like Nick Ritchie did. There's some you know good accuracy there. It's deceptive. He's got a good wrist shot, a good one-timer. And uh, he is just kind of that one guy that you like you you like to have on your team and it feels like they picked him as a complimentary piece to Trevor Zegris. Now, obviously we don't know their their draft board and where they had McTavish and, and whether he was their number 3 guy after Power and Beneers and what that reasoning was, but from what we heard from Bob Murray is they liked his fit in the lineup with Zegris. You know, Zegris being the creative play driving force as a number 1 center and then McTavish being you know, it, it almost like a Getzlaf uh, that you can send out there, and you know, be physical. He's still a good player. He can you know, 
get his own shots, create his own place, and then on the power play be another weapon for Zegris to utilize uh, and put the puck in the back of the net. So like I, I, I like the pick. I like their draft as a whole. There are some interesting decisions like trading the third uh, for next year to Montreal to get a third this year and then drafting a guy who people didn't have ranked until like the fifth round in Tyson Hines. So that was a, a bit of an interesting one. Uh, and they got a guy, Sean, uh, Sean Sheargle, I think it is, in the uh, in the fourth or yeah. fifth round, who was ranked a little bit higher. So they, they had some nice gems in, in the later rounds too, but it really is all about those top three picks. So I give them a B plus because I think outside of those top three picks, they didn't do a whole lot. But if you're going to hit on anything and you're going to go into a draft, the best places to hit on and do well on it are your first three picks in the draft. So I can't uh, I can't argue with what they did in this one. I was going to give him a B plus as well, um, and only because Bobby's been talking about bringing like a guy who can score, a guy who can score, a guy who can score, and they kind of didn't take that guy who was on the table that everyone was talking about with Eklund. Um, but I feel like McTavish, I like. Him. I mean, it, it's just funny to hear Bob say he likes that. You know, we had an identity. It would be rough and tumble, beat people up before, right? And he's like, no, we got to move to a speed skill game. And now he's like, now we got this big center who's like kind of nasty, but can shoot the puck and. Like with Jay, the first thing I thought of was Nick Ritchie, too. I, I, I was like, damn it, that's the same damn thing they said before. Um, obviously, different player. I don't have that expectation. I just I, I just hope this is going to be the pick that they hope that slots in to play with Zegers. And I kind of feel like it's also an option. Um, I mean, it's a clear option, too. If Z has trouble at center, he's going to slide over to wing and then maybe play along Mason. Like, you just don't know where that's going to go. Uh, yeah. We'll see how long this club trusts Zegers at center. Yeah, the the one thing for me, and the the one defense I have of the McTavish pick, and it, it seemed like a trend in this draft, is GMs kind of went back to size and power and the power forwards, and you know, with not a lot of looks at guys this year, that seemed to be the trend. You look at Ottawa going way off the board and drafting this kid Tyler Boucher, who's getting comparisons to Tom Wilson. I think they drafted him tenth overall. I think the highest he was ranked was like fifty seventh. So they it was a huge reach for them to take him there, but. I think we're getting to a point, and GMs are starting to realize this. Realize this is like we're really overvaluing skating, in a sense here, where we're saying a guy is a poor skater because he's not Connor McDavid or he's not Nathan McKinnon, and we're saying oh he's a below average skater, he's an average skater. That means he's not going to be able to 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 really cut it at the NHL level. That's what why Sasha Pastujov fell all the way to 66, is because people said oh man he's just a terrible skater. He doesn't have great straight line speed. His edges aren't that great. You know, he's got a clunky stride. He's not going to make it. But realistically, when you look at the average NHL player, nobody's Connor McDavid. Nobody's a, not every defenseman no. is a Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr in terms of their speed. No, no, not every player is a Matt Barzell with their agility. If you do the rest of you know, if, if the rest of your skill set rounds out at an NHL level, and you have average skating, you're going to do fine. You don't need to be the quickest player on the ice to be an effective player. There's a ton of players in the NHL who aren't significantly fast. They have average speed, but they do everything else well to get there. And you look at some of the comparables for for Mason McTavish. I'm not a huge fan of comparables, but they, they make sense in this case uh, for, for me to kind of prove my point here. But you look at Jamie Benn and Thomas Hurdle are two guys that McTavish has been compared with. They're not great skaters, but you know, in Hurdle's case, that's a ton of skill. It's kind of developed into a, a power forward for the San Jose Sharks. Doesn't speed isn't a huge part of his game, but he is a, you know a top six contributor in the NHL. And then Jamie Benn, 
you know, he's never been a speed demon, never been a big part of his game, but he was a prototypical power forward, and he's made a pretty good NHL career out of, you know, the skill set that he has. So I understand, you know, the frustrations not going with a player like Willie Mecklen, who's flashy and has the speed and has everything like that, but has, you know, the some words to his game that we kind of overlook because he's so quick. And he, he, he kind of is the prototypical modern-day player that you look for in the draft of this this blend of, you know, flair and skill and speed. And Mason McTavish kind of goes against the grain a bit in what, we're we're saying we're looking for now and trying. I, I laughed kind of when they were talking about him on on uh, NHL or on ESPN because they were like he's ripped, he's ripped. His brother's an MMA, he's ripped. Like, dude, <laughs> how many times are you gonna say this is just ripped? Like, yeah, just right. so change it up. Say he's shredded or something. Jeez. <laughs> like, I think uh, I think yeah. the one thing to mention as far as the skating goes is I I definitely think it is it has become a significant point of contention because. You know, it can be a problem if you just can't keep up with NHL caliber skaters. Um, but, you know, you look at a guy like John Tavares, who is a high end player, who is a, you know, captain of a team and all that kind of stuff. He's, you know, and his skating has never been great, but he was able to improve that over the years. And the other thing is, he did other things well. And that's the thing, you know, like with looking up about Puyastov is. It's like, yeah, maybe his skating isn't perfect and there's some issues there. But one, it's fixable. And two, he thinks the game at such a level that he's able to still exploit, you know, the play of the other team in a way that allows him to be aggressive and contributing and score goals and make plays because he doesn't rely on his skating. And that's that's the kind of stuff you want is you want to be able to look at guys and go, all right, what are they doing to accentuate the parts of their games that are good and to overcome parts of their games that aren't great. You look at a Jamie Drysdale or you look at uh, the Zellweger kid, you're looking at smaller defensemen, but what do they do? They skate like the wind. It allows them to jump into the play. It allows them to be aggressive in the offense. It also allows them to get back and, you know, um, make defensive plays because they do have that skating ability. So, you know, obviously the league is getting faster and more skilled and skating is becoming more important. But like Eddie said, it is about the total package. And if you're not a great skater, what do you do to make up for that? I I understand now why uh, Steven, I got your name, uh, why Steven gave us an A minus. He's comparing our first round draft pick to Austin Matthews and our third round draft pick to John Tavares. We <laughs> hit the, the literal jackpot in this whole thing. So I can understand why he's so, so go, go ducks. Um, the other thing too, uh, kind of a little bit to Eddie's point about how everyone kind of overvalued the speed a little bit is I also think that bigger players learned that they needed to become better skaters they didn't have to be the fastest guys but if you were big uh, you know before it was usually if you were big you were slow and then the, the game got really really quick but now those big guys have learned they've got to skate too and now you get your you know your tom wilson's who you know are horrible skaters but they're big guys they're nasty guys they got some skill and those guys are now becoming more of a factor than they were. They were just lagging a few seasons behind. 
So I can understand maybe a different era, you know, where you don't really make the comparison necessarily to Nick Ritchie, where it was just, you know, there's no speed. So all you got to be is big. And he came in at the really wrong time because that's when things changed over. But now most of these guys are going to be much faster and, and better skating uh, are better skaters, but also have that bigger size and that those hands too. So I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of a correction in the league a little bit, or at least they're catching up. Yeah, and the thing with Nick Ritchie is the rest of his skill set didn't develop. Yeah, he was a poor skater, but that's not why he didn't succeed at the NHL level. His shot didn't translate to the NHL level. His hockey IQ just really wasn't there. He never made smart plays. He wasn't really in the right position. He's not a bad player. They but, always look dumbfounded too. Like he was always like looking around. So. Yeah, he, he's like, he always had like the mouth mouth agape, and he was just like <laughs> just trying to figure out what the hell's going. By on. all accounts, one of the nicest players too. By the way, I'm sure he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's a, he's a great guy. And... Like, dude, you think he's like not gonna be cool? Super cool, dude. <laughs> like, I understand the comparisons with McTavish, and I understand. You know, the worry, um, you know, we all had our, our kind of nightmares with Nick Ritchie, and, and that was kind of the running joke for a while when he was here, about 10th overall, and what the guys we missed on in that draft. But the, the difference with McTavish is he he has a pro-level shot now. You know, he can beat goaltenders in the OHL from pretty much anywhere, and his his release, his accuracy, his power, he, he could beat NHL netminders now. There's things he has to work on, but he's his shot is one of the best in the draft. He's got a quick set of hands, something Nick Ritchie really didn't have. He gets in the right position. And then at the center position, you know, he, he played on the wing a lot in on international tournaments, but and for Peterborough for a bit when they brought in some some different guys and some more experienced guys at center, they had to shift him to the wing. But when he was at center, his faceoff percentage was clicking at like fifty nine to sixty percent anywhere he was going, whether it was in the OHL or or with Canada in the U eighteen tournament. So he is a a player that not only can excel at the center position you know, by winning faceoffs and on the defensive side of the thing, but he he's a good kind of puck protection, play driving center who can complement some really quick, fast, creative wingers. And he's just kind of gonna, he's going to be able to find the open space on the ice. And I think that's why, you know, you've heard people mention he would be such a great compliment for Zegras, is he can play off Zegras pulling guys to open space and and you know pulling two defenders onto him, get to the open space, get Zegras will find him with a pass and and he'll be there to put the puck in the back of the net. It and I think McTavish can be that guy. You know, as much as I want him to be a center, and we might have to see that that duo kind of team up on the power play. I think there is kind of a real upside there of these two guys being you know some good compliments to each other. So. You know, and, and honestly, like, like Jade mentioned too with the skating, the, the one easiest thing to fix and refine in a skill set is skating. You can manage a player's skating, and it's the same with, with Pestujov, who we got at 66. You can refine a guy's skating and, and fix it, and not that he's going to all of a sudden become a speed demon, but get him to a point where he's going to be NHL comfortable. And, and Yeah, and it's going to be an NHL caliber skating stride. Fix his skating stride up, you know, work on his edges a bit help them kind of you know if you can fix a player's skating stride they'll gain more top speed and get more power behind their skating and i think you know mctavish isn't in the same spot as pastujov is i think he's a better skater but both of them have a fully developed skill set when it comes to offensive you know capabilities with their shot and their playmaking ability and their vision that if all they have to work on is their skating to get to kind of first line talent level you take that risk and, and you bring them in. And I think I think McTavish and Pasujov really fit the fold for what the Ducks were looking for and dynamic finishing 
either wingers or centers, players who can put the puck in the back of the net. That joins now Jacob Perot, who is one of the best shooters in the last draft. And now you're starting to put together a team here that obviously if everything pans out, you've got some weapons that we talked about that Zegers is going to need. Whether it's on the power play or on his line, you've got some guys you can kind of sprinkle throughout the lineup who we can see in the future, guys who are going to be scoring goals for the Ducks. Uh, Steven, was it you that said uh, you saw Sasha's name and you immediately thought Russian because I did too? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like Arthur Callaway. I was like, wait, he was born in Florida? <laughs> yeah. I'm so yeah, confused man. by that. I thought, I thought of Borat. Well, that's like when someone was like, why did he fall? And I was like, that's because all these GMs saw a Russian-looking name and were like, ah, I can't take him. <laughs> so Bob Murray thought he was getting his token Maryland. Russian in this draft, and it turns out he was American. Yes. <laughs> Told you I'd draft one. Damn it. Scoot it up again. Yeah, but. So it, I'll, I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, go I was going to say, it's like um, Kaliev, the King's pick from a couple years ago. Uh, Russian name, Arthur Kaliev. Looks like a Russian kid, but somehow he's American. And he just. Uh, he doesn't really fit the fold on the, on the name side of things. But uh, he's a guy that. That kind of fell a little bit due to his skating. And, you know, we're skipping over Zellweger and we'll get to him in a bit. But the Ducks needed high end upside offensive wingers. And you got that in him. And you got that at 66. And we talked about where McTavish was ranked and how he was ranked, you know, a little bit lower than where the Ducks got him. This is a guy, and I think Steven alluded to this, that was at, at in some people's rankings and in a majority of people's rankings was a first round pick. If not, maybe a late second round pick, mid to late second round pick. And he fell all the way to 66. And we've seen guys fall before and, and we're you know all praying on Twitter that the Ducks are going to take him and then they don't. And somehow they fall to the Kings and the Kings end up taking him. This, of all the guys we've talked about falling in the last couple of years, if this was, if there was a guy that was going to fall to the Ducks and you wanted them to take him, this would be the guy. Because he's a legitimate first round talent, but the skating scared a lot of GMs off. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think me and Eddie talked about this a little bit uh, as far as what you're what we were kind of hoping might happen uh, with that second round pick. And, you know, I I was kind of hoping for like Stankoven and I think there was um, was it Robertson and yeah, Simon uh, Robinson Tuomola? and Samu Tuomala were there, too. Yeah, which Eddie was kind of looking at, and they ended up taking the, you know, a defenseman. But they were still able, with that third pick, to kind of almost make amends or at least not have there be a significant opportunity cost because this guy fell so far and because his skill set does fill exactly what Anaheim has been looking for. Um, you know, as we all know, you're not looking at single prospects necessarily to fix team whole, like to team issues, but... He is the kind of player um, that is maybe going to be a part of addressing Anaheim's anemic offense and anemic power play uh, and really start trying to create a team again that can just put pucks in the back of the net, like Eddie was saying. Um, so I think, you know, from a value perspective, it's insane. From a need perspective, it's perfect. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of reason that almost this pick alone, just from a a value perspective makes the whole draft for Anaheim. It's just such a great pick um, as far as what it, what it could turn out to be. So, 
when's Solani's kid going into the draft? Uh, we're, I don't think we're, any of them well still play. Past, yeah, we're well past that. They're playing D2, I think, NCAA hockey. The one that uh, Etu or whoever, I think his name was, who, who made it. So, yeah. unfortunately, no won, uh, They're playing at the free skate at Anaheim. Yeah, I saw that. I remember well, seeing yeah, that. They won uh, two, I think, two national championships with Santa Margarita, I believe. Uh, before we move on from Pistrio, I want to read this one quote from a, a source um, that kind of breaks down a, a kind of similarities in Pistrujov's game with a player I think we all like, and that's Matthew Kachuk. So the quote said, Pistrujov's game from the past few seasons reminded me a lot of certain Calgary Flames left winger Matthew Kachuk. Both players have excellent hockey sense, prefer to be more of a pass-first teammate, and both have a rough, rough physical aspect to their game, but have an incredible shot and may not always look to use it as their first option. I think if you're looking at a player, now obviously Matthew Kuchuk went a lot higher in the draft. His skating wasn't as much of an issue as it was uh, for Pistujov, but I think their game is, is fairly similar. And if we're looking at potential ceiling for Pistujov, I think on a high end, he has the ability to reach the same level of, of Matthew Kuchuk. It's just how much work he has to put on in on his skating is going to really determine how far he gets and whether he makes it to the NHL. But if you're looking at third-round picks this is the type of swing you want to make. We'll look at the Stanley Cup champions right now. And and a guy, one of their best players in the playoffs, they got in the third round. That was Pat Maroon. Braden, <laughs> Braden, Braden Point was a third-round pick for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you're looking at swing for the fences picks in the third round, you want to go for a guy like this who has high upside. And you know we all follow uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, who's a, a great source for uh, analytics and, and player projections. Uh, on on Twitter and Patreon, and in his model um, breaks down kind of the chances of a player becoming a star and the chances of a player becoming an NHLer. And Pasujov was the sixth ranked player when it came to star potential, with a 32% chance of becoming a star, and ranked seventh in his model of all players in the draft of chance of becoming an NHLer at 83%. For you know, I know it's one model of many out there, but for a guy, you got 66 overall that projects that well and not just this model but in, in others as well and just has one major deficiency to his game it's it's a really big swing and one that you take at that spot and i'm glad the ducks did it honestly it, it projects a little bit of a trend away from kind of their normal safe picks and the the safe pick of mason mctavish at three right it's a it's a bit of a pivot away from that I, okay real quick are, i don't agree that mctavish is a safe pick that, I don't understand that logic. Why? Can you explain to me why you think Mason McTavish is a safe pick? Get the crans. His his skill set is a projectable higher floor compared to some of these guys. We talked about Eklund and the high-end offensive potential that he has. But his floor is a little bit lower than what McTavish could be. There's, there's still a chance and there's a little bit of risk attached with Eklund that you know the size doesn't come or that skill doesn't translate out of the SHL as, as well as he's done there. With McTavish, you know, he has everything to kind of excel and at least be a capable mm-hmm. NHL player. And, you know, if he works on his skating a bit and the offense translates, then he could become a top-line player. But his skill set projects to him at, at least being a serviceable player fourth or third line NHL player at the very least. He's a safer pick than Eklund or Clark or uh, Genther who went at that pick. Genther was a bit more of a safer option than the other two, but there are some deficiencies in, in the other players' games and some things they have to work on where 
they might not translate as well to the NHL or as easily to the NHL, but their their upside is higher than McTavish in terms of if they hit the the upside that they they have the potential of. You know, Eklund could be a, a superstar, a top player in this league, an 80, 90 point player. McTavish might not have that that same upside potential, but his floor is a lot higher. You know, is McTavish expected to play next season? Anaheim? I would say no, but out of everybody who went He's in so that big, top he might 10, get a shot. He, yeah, he has a chance. And you look at the Ducks. You know, like I, 6'2", 210. Yeah. 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 And it, listen, before Zegras, I would have <laughs> okay. said no. Not a chance because they're going to want him to play at center. They don't have a lot of room at center. But they played Zegras on the wing. Even if the OHL has a season, he'll get his run at the rookie camp. He might get some preseason games. If he does well, he could get a nine-game trial on the wing in Anaheim, and from there, who knows what could happen. Like, he's got the size to already compete at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. Who knows how quickly he can adjust to the NHL game. We all thought Jamie Drysdale. There's no way he was going to be ready, and he surprised everybody last year. So out of all those guys in there, he has a good chance because the top five picks for them, the everybody but McTavish, is going back to Michigan next year there's they they can't (laughs) play in the nhl because they've committed to go back to michigan they have to sign an entry level contract and then would forego any chance of them going back to the ncaa so he has the more most likely chance of any of those top five to play uh, in the nhl next year and you look at guys like eklund who went there uh to the sharks at seven he's going back to the shl and he has a contract signed so he's probably not going to come so i think mctavish and and dylan genther who i believe went ninth overall have the most likely chance of playing just because of their size and, and the fact you know their, their game projects pretty well to play in the nhl right now and the fact that they play in the chl and you know their seasons are up in the air depending on how the the pandemic is going to affect those seasons come uh, come the fall whether they're going to play or not yeah I, I figure they give them that that little nine game trial and it's you know if you do the camp and you do all the, the, the preseason stuff and they go like, okay, well, he's, he's, he's capable of holding his own. Let's give him a few games and then basically figure out what he needs to work on. Once we can evaluate him against actual NHL players and NHL games where it matters, I think they kind of use that as that nine, nine game freebie that they get without burning the first year of the contract and go like, okay, you need to go here and this is what you need to work on. Get better in this area and then we'll bring you out next season or, you know, you know, if if you do really, really well, we'll bring you out earlier. But I think that's probably what you'll see. I don't think they're going to rush him. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Olin Zellweger really quick? Yeah. We hop into free agency. Yeah, I think we'll we'll break down Olin Zellweger for a, a kind of a good couple minutes here. We'll rip through the other picks after that. Just a, a quick kind of, I'll just do a quick run through on, uh, on who the Ducks took there and, and kind of their projections. But, yeah, Zellweger was a guy I, re- I really hadn't heard much of, honestly, going into draft day. A guy that had shot up a lot of people's rankings. He had a good under-18 tournament with Canada. But he fell, again, because of his size. He's listed at about 5'9", 5'10", as a defenseman, 174 pounds. So he's fairly undersized. But the the real promise of this pick, and it was – Early in the year, one of the reasons why I advocated for if the Ducks were going to take a defenseman at three to take Luke Hughes is that he's one of the youngest players in the draft. And I think Stephen also mentioned this earlier in the show is he was six days away from being eligible for the 2022 draft. You know, he was born, I says, uh, he was born five days before the September 15th cutoff date. 
on where he would have been eligible for next year. So he's a f- almost a full year of development behind a lot of the players that got taken in this draft. And you, know, you look at on the surface and say, what's the difference between a guy who's 17 and 18, and does that really matter? Well, you know, he's got a full season behind. So his season next year is comparable to everybody else's seasons, the 18-year-old seasons this year. So he was almost it was over a point per game in only 11 games in the WHL to finish the year in the shortened season that they had. 13 points in 11 games. The season prior, when he was 16, he only had 11 points in 52 games. So that's considerable increase in production in a small sample size for him. Next year... He's a small sample size. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a small sample size himself. But w- one of the most interesting things about this pick, is not even about the player himself, is that Stothers, who's the new assistant coach in Anaheim, coached him at the under-18s and also coached McTavish at the under-18s for Canada. And by the end of that tournament, Zellweger went from being kind of the sixth guy on the team, was running the power play. Stothers publicly praised him, that he loved him as a player. You have to think that had a big impact on the Ducks scouting department and Bob Murray is that Stothers comes into the organization talking mm-hmm. about McTavish and the leader on the team. McTavish was the captain of that team and he, I think he co-led them in points and Zellweger was you know, a guy that came out of nowhere for them and, and, and was a point per game from the blue line, led their power play. Like You start to see the influences and, and the reasons they picked these guys and, and honestly it worked out in the Ducks' favor. Like we talk mm-hmm. about that star potential uh, from Jay Fresh Hockey as well. Zellweger was ranked seventh in star, in star potential, twenty five percent chance, and ninth on the chance of becoming an NHLer at eighty two percent. And he perfectly complements the Drysdale pick, and you know, he's quoted as being one of the best skaters in this draft, a, a real kind of puck moving defenseman who can bring the puck up the ice and. We talked about the Ducks needing more of those types of defensemen, and Jamie Drysdale can't be the guy who's going to do it himself. We saw that a lot this year where he was playing 22 minutes a night and tasked with the guy who's going to be you know, the main puck carrier up the ice, and that's a lot for an 18-year-old to get tasked with in the NHL to do alone. And Zellweger's a couple of years away from getting to the NHL, but when you have two guys who could do that, and if Zellweger can come in and be a three or four for this team and Jamie Drysdale is the number one guy, and then you surround them with some, you know, a Lindholm to play with Drysdale and whether Manson's here or not, but a player like that to play with Zellweger. And then you round out that bottom pairing. You've got two exceptional skating. Hunter Drew and Jackson Lakeham. Yeah, yeah. That's, Those our, are, that's our third pair. The Ducks have a lot of young defensemen who could come up and be complementary pieces to these guys, good two-way solid defensemen. You've now got two of when they hit their full potential, potentially two of the best skating defensemen in the NHL, guys who are capable puck-moving defensemen, that's what you need to be successful in, in the modern-day NHL. Now you're surrounding them with guys that we talked about here, McTavish and some of the guys they drafted later, and some you know Max Jones and Henry Thrun and some bigger, you know, stronger defense and power forwards. You, you're starting to kind of piece together a roster that could, could be competitive. And we look at the, the recent back-to-back Stanley Cup champions and the mix of speed and size and, you know, puck moving ability that they have throughout their lineup you're starting to kind of put together a roster that looks eerily similar to what they put together there in that they're all hockey players <laughs> yes <laughs> yes damn i thought i was jumping the gun when we were getting uh 
Johnny T and uh, Austin yeah, Matthews. Matthews. He's out here getting yeah. Maddie Kachuk and oh, for the next Bolts. <laughs> you guys are putting together an all-star squad. Yeah, I know. That sounds great. And Eddie I'll just listen to Eddie and uh, Steven there for a while. I was like, I feel there's, some, there's some post, post-draft hype for sure, but those, those yeah. top three picks – you know, everybody talks about the Kings right. having the top prospect pool in the league, and they still do after this draft. But the Ducks jumped over a considerable number of teams by taking McTavish, Zellweger, and, and Pestudrav with their first three picks. Those are three guys that project to be top six and top four defensemen on this team, and top six forwards, and then add that to Perot and obviously Zegris and Drysdale, and you're getting a nice mix of young players that will be making their way into the Ducks lineup over the next couple of years. And, you know, we'll, we'll blow through the, some of the guys they, they draft in the later uh, drafts here. Tyson Hines is uh, kind of a big, rangy defenseman that they traded a third-round pick to bring in. He's got a long way to go to make the NHL. But, again, he, he's a complimentary piece to some of the smaller puck-moving defensemen we have in Drysdale and Zellweger, where, you know, at 6'3", oh, I think 190, he is kind of a big, rangy defenseman who can complement those guys. And, you know, looking at... You know, everybody's obsessed with the Barkley Goodrills now after Tampa won. The Barkley Goodrills, the Pat Maroons, the Blake Colemans, right? There's like, always there's a thing uh, after a couple. Yeah, exactly. It's the same after How St. Louis and the Zach Sanfords and the Sammy Blaze, and everybody's like, oh, we need those types of guys. Well, it's always better to draft those guys than overpay them like the Rangers did, and the Ducks got that in Lopina at 98th overall and Sean Shigurl at 130th overall, where they just are big, kind of do-everything Swiss Army Knife type players. Will they make it to the NHL? There's no guarantee, especially from that late in the draft. But, you know, Lupina was a guy that was projected to go around 70th or 80th. The Ducks got him at 98th. Uh, Chagall was ranked as high as kind of mid to late second, third round. They got him all the way down at 130th overall. Surprised to see him go that low. So they've got these kind of potential to hit on some of these guys in the, in the later in the draft. And then with the, the uh, second last pick, they just fill the positional need. They got a six foot seven goaltender. You know whether he makes it or not. You look at the goaltenders we have in the system right now. Dostal's just kind of just over six foot. Ole Eriksson X not that big. I think he's like six foot two. Uh, John Gibson obviously is is not you know massive as well. So you add just kind of a different look to that side of the prospect tool mm-hmm. on, on the netminder side. And you know whether he figures it out or not, we'll have to see. But it, it does kind of add a different approach to. Uh, a different kind of different look to what you have in in that part of your prospect pool. You know, a goalie at six foot seven who's who's got all the tools to to really make it as long as you can kind of build into that size at the NHL level. Eddie, do you think it's fair to say? Say no. Even if you ignore draft position, that the Ducks got a better player potentially in Puyastov than they did in Tracy. Because yeah. I feel like that's a very fair thing because Tracy was a real riser in his draft year, and that was still a reach. I think Pronman had him in the late 50s in his mock that year. Yeah, I would compare Tracy a bit to Zellweger in the sense that the late risers at the end of the season, mm-hmm. guys that were ranked third, fourth round at the beginning of the year and then jumped up to late first or early second uh, at the end of the year. So he's very very similar to Zellweger in that sense. Um, didn't have a full season uh, in the WHL before that, so that was his rookie year. So there was a lot of similarities there. Where Pistujov was a guy who was ranked like 15th, top 10 at some point in the beginning of the year. 
and then just mm-hmm. slowly fell as the skating became a problem, but was still kind of staying around that 15 to 20 range for most of the year, even heading into the draft. And then for some reason, he's just one of those guys on draft day. He just didn't land on a lot of people's lists. And again, a lot of that I think has to do with the, the value put on skating right now and how you mm-hmm. have to, if you're a, an exceptionally quick skater, they'll overlook a lot of, the issues around the rest of the parts of your game because you can skate well and they'll pick mm-hmm. you. And that's reminiscent of 10 years ago where if you were six foot three, 220 pounds, they'd overlook the fact that, you know, a, a lot of... You couldn't play hockey? Yeah, a lot of words <laughs> in your games and, and you would go. And we look at that draft and Nick Ritchie and Jake Vertanen and Michael Dow Cole all went in the top 10 of that draft. All were not offered qualifying offers this year, all going into free agency. Like and they were guys that were drafted because of their size, and they overlooked a lot of issues in their game offensively. They didn't pan out. <laughs> we're getting into that with the skating side of things, and obviously skating is is important in the modern day NHL. But you can't overlook the rest of the skill set that the player has just because he's a great yeah. skater. Because we're getting into that dangerous territory, and, and what we well, do you with get size. a Cogliano. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm kind of there with no guy who plays over 700 consecutive games and is yeah, well, a I mean, genuine if, play driver, one of the best so, defensive forwards. That's he wasn't so dirty, he could have played so many more games consecutively. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to, I would uh, just like to tell Andrew oh, Cagliano, my fellow Italian brother in arms, if he's out there and he's hearing this, we love you. And ignore Jay, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, also, stop being a dirty player. Yeah. <laughs> all in all, it was a good Let's draft go- for the Ducks. I, I think they yeah. <laughs> they added some significant pieces to their prospect pool, and the future just looks a little bit brighter. So, Well, now we got to get to the fun part of the show, where we're going to spend mm-hmm. the next 30 minutes complaining about who we thought is the bad move that everyone picked to for uh, the Ducks to go after free agency. <laughs> this was fun like five years ago where free agency actually mattered to build a competitive team. Starts now it's like, Wednesday what, noon. what third liner can we add to this team to make them? Slightly less bad. So maybe the bottom of that barrel. Before, before we get there, <laughs> let's not go into some deep dive into this. We'll, I'm sure we'll do this another time uh, about you know roster construction with the docs and what we're looking at and all that. But just as far as free agency goes, who's the first player they signed that they're going to sign on Wednesday? Bobby Ryan. Oh, man. No, 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 no. Not, uh, I mean, from the guys they tender qualifying offers to. Sorry. Oh, okay. I think Lundstrom will get done pretty fast, and Jonesy too. I think those two would be my bets. Yeah, because Jones I think him. Jones and Lindstrom, because I think those are going to be the easiest guys to get signed, uh, just because of the type of game they play, where they fit kind of into the team hierarchy. I, maybe Lindstrom, uh, you know, kind of talks himself into holding out for a little bit more than he's expected to get. Um, but I, I definitely think him and Jones are the two that I would. I was going to say Jones. The first guy. I would say Jones too. Yeah, I think he's the first one signed. I think you can get that contract done. It's not like he's overperformed so you're not fighting with him on on kind of i think they're they're both kind of around the same range of what they'd expect it's probably like a two-year deal at most prove it prove a deal that you can make more um i i think lindstrom and steel are kind of in the same boat lindstrom probably gets signed before steel because i think steel probably thinks he should earn more than what the ducks are willing him to pay based off his production so that one could take a little bit longer but yeah come to our probably takes the longest right because i could see the the team and the player being maybe farthest apart on on what they expect to earn with come being one of the ducks leading scorers this year and you know whether he wants a long-term deal or a bridge deal that's what could make things complicated so i, I think he takes the longest where we might see it stretch out into 
later later into August, maybe early September at the latest. But I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a Richie Raquel kind of setup. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it will go too long. Um, yeah, for everybody who didn't know, it's it's Max Jones, Sam Steele, Maxim Comtois, Isaac Lindstrom who were tendered qualifying Josh offers. Oh, and Josh Mahura. Uh, and then Danton Heinen wasn't, so he's heading to free agency. Which means he can still come back just at mm-hmm. a lower price. On a lower price, right. So let's get to the fun part. Uh, mm. I'll start. Okay. I picked seven players. We don't have to jump in. I don't want to do deep dives on all these guys. Aww. I just I was having fun on these. I picked two that were RFAs. And then the five other guys are all UFAs. And, I mean, whatever. Ducks have, what, 11 $12, million, $13 million to play with, depending on what they sign these guys for them to return. Uh, there was rumor about Getzloff Pick not coming back this year, which was true. <laughs> or space. It was on Twitter. Who knows? He was linked to yeah, the know. Well, it was on Twitter, then it's true. Yeah, well, hey, man. Never know what happens. Yeah, okay. Stranger things that happen in the NHL. Um, especially if he, gets, if, he, if he brings back picks to this team and they're going to help the team, I can see him doing it. But we've always yeah, he'll said, get traded, but he's going to sign with the Ducks. That's the thing. He's not going to go sign somewhere else. Oh, well, he, okay. He's made that abundantly clear to anyone who will actually can listen. Jesus Christ, this could be another <laughs> argument. Okay, so let's stick to, to UFAs right now, and then we'll cover the RFAs at the end because I know we don't have as many RFAs. Yeah. So I'll, I'll zip through actually, mine. Actually, all mine are. No. We can we okay. either just go through each or whatever. But I have Mike Hoffman, Cody Cece, Mike Riley from Boston. Yeah. And I have, uh, this is what I think Bob Murray's going to look at, by the way. And Nick Benino. Okay. Nick Benino, I almost put down too. That's a sneaky, interesting one to me. But I could see him getting more money from a more competitive team. I mean, he's he has he, pretty damn good uh, he's got underlying the, statistics. He's got good regular numbers. Who's he your favorite, like too? Play. From the, the guys you picked? Uh, Benino. Uh, I almost picked Alexander Winberg. For another one of mine, but I decided not to. But my favorite two out of both of those, or out of all those, was probably Hoffman and Benino. I could see it. Yeah, I, I don't know where Benino slots in because he comes into play center. I mean, his his contract is looking at like two point five mil projection, right? That's what the that's what evolving hockey has there. They think so. We kind of played with that tool today, and Hoffman was looking at five point six mil, which is a lot, and we probably would never do that. He's what was the term on Hoffman's deal? Five by five point six. Five is five. I was gonna say maybe three, yeah. but five is a is a lot. He did not do well enough on St. Louis, man. He frustrated St. Louis this year. Like they brought him in to be a power play producer, and I think he did well enough in that regard. But I do know I, by the end of the season, I they were really frustrated with Mike Riley too. By the way, I did too. But I, his his contract really projection like scared me. It was like three, three by point seven. Three point seven. And That's it, not too bad. But if he's coming in to be the five, right? Like we're already paying four guys over three point nine. Shattenkirk being. Well, we're not going to resign Manson, dude. He's gone after this year. Well, so yeah, why? yeah, yeah. He sure. might be gone this summer. Well, so. I, I still don't trust Bob Murray to not resign him. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that's he turns me a thirty bit. in October. Manson does, which is old. So. Mm. Shut up. Yeah, I, I liked Mike Riley. I think he's a good a good secondary power play guy. And uh, like the the money isn't that bad if is if as long as you're losing one of those other guys whether it's Shattenkirk or Manson or Fowler whoever you're losing that cap it like I don't want to pay five defensemen over three point five million dollars I feel like. no you're losing somebody I mean they might even trade Lindholm because who yeah. knows what his next contract's gonna look like too right yeah, like, imagine going from Lindholm he's got they're, 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 they're not to Fowler and Mike <laughs> Riley <laughs> Fowler first, maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I did. I really like Nick Pedino a lot, though. He was probably my favorite out of all of them. It'd be nice to bring him back. I, I just think... With... Not even for that reason, but look at his look at his stats and what he's been able to do away from Anaheim. And then now he's available. He's 33. And they project a two-year deal at 2.5. It's really not, not hurtful. I'm not... I'm not trying to stir the nest up, but I'll say it this simply is bringing in Nick Benino would be a really great way to get uh, the guy they think Derek Grant is. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just come in, play that third, four, that three, four hybrid role. He can, you know, we know Nick Benino can move up a little bit in the lineup. He's not going to be uh, productive, but Derek Grant sure as hell isn't. So um, you got to get rid of Henrik or you got to move Henrik or Steele to the wing. I think you have to move Henrik out. Yeah. Oh, for sure, I think you have to move here. him out. Um, but that if you that. move Henrik out, I think yeah. the first call you make is to Nick Benino for sure. So who's okay? Who's your guys' favorite out of those five that I said? Benino, Yan, Mark Riley, CC, or Hoffman? I, I like Mike Riley. I, I think that's a good a good selection for the Ducks for their blue line. He's replacing Jacob Larson, so like it's it's a pretty big upgrade. <laughs> Steve, who are your who are your UFAs? Uh, okay, so, uh, I have Gabriel Landeskog, Dougie, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> what is that, fast Kraken team? Yeah. So, uh, I have, uh, even though Eddie told me not to, I'm going to have him, uh, Keith Yandel, uh, wow. a guy today who didn't get his qualifying offer, Pius Suter, uh, who's got really strong underlying numbers, he's only 25 years old. Uh, I had Hoffman as well, and then... Dryden Hunt from Arizona and Sammy Botnan. Okay, a lot had defenseman heavy offensive defenseman with Botnan and Yandel. What was Yandel's contract projection? I didn't see actually. Let me bring that up. He's also eighty-two. I don't, I don't think he so. pops up because he got bought out. I think, I think he collects social security at this point. <laughs> Yandel, Yandel would be interesting if you're not going to pay him a lot for a long term. Like if you can get him on a one-year deal. And... That's the thing. If you can, I think what you want is you want to get him on a show me deal and be like, look, let's get you in here one, one and a half, maybe two, if that's what it takes. Um, you at know, and halfway through the season, we'll know. see where you're at and we'll see if we can't. Um, yeah, he doesn't come up because he got bought out. I can't imagine he but wants I just to go anywhere that's not competitive. Right. Right. But I think you could do with him what Detroit tried to do with Mike Green that one time, which is no one's going to say, come here. We'll give you maybe a little extra, but you can basically be the man on our power play. uh, And we're going to let give you the opportunity to get yourself have somebody call us with an offer. I think that's, you know, especially for where Anaheim is right now. I think that makes the most sense is to kind of look at some of these guys like Mike Hoffman. Um, with a little bit of goal scoring upside, who you can maybe look to either if they're younger, like a Dragon Hunt, you can look to keep, or if they're older, like a Yandel or a Botnan or a Hoffman, they're a guy you can look to flip. I, I would disagree that they would want to try and put Yandel on the, the power play, at least the top power play. I don't know if you're talking about like a second line power play, just because that would be admitting that Shattenkirk didn't work out because Shattenkirk was supposed to be that guy. Yeah. And, and so like if you bring in Yandel, you're almost saying like, well, that didn't work, but we still got to pay that guy a hefty amount for the next two years. Let's bring in this other aging guy on a show me contract for a year to run the power play or two so it just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense for I, me. 
I don't disagree with that. I think yeah. you would definitely be a second power play thing, but I think that has more to do with Zegers and Dreesdale. Um, but I don't think it would be insane that they would put Shattenkirk and Yandel together on the second power play. I don't know that there's enough forwards that they need to give ice time to that mandates it. Um, you know, so I, I definitely think it's an option there. And if they want, they can put, um, you know, one of those two up on the first one, probably Shattenkirk for every reason you just said, uh, just to help. But I just think, you know, Keith Yandel just provides an opportunity to get maximum value and maybe even roll that value over into futures. I would also have to think, though, is is he willing to come to Anaheim? At, so that'd be the question. Yeah, like 48 years old. And, you know, I don't think he hasn't won a cup, right? And he's going from the Panthers, which were, you know, cup contenders, till they ran into Lightning. Now all of a sudden he's going to go to a rebuilding team on a show-me contract at, I think he's 36. I think he'll pull a Shattenkirk. Like, he'll take a low one-year deal with a competitive team. If he wins the cup, he'll just cash in, like, on a poor team to to make some extra money. Maybe, or he wins that cup, and he's like, all right, got it, peace. But that's not the Ducks, you know? So. Yeah, as as much as maybe that potential could be there, I just don't still don't see it happening. Yeah. By the way, he's only thirty four. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> it's like the... he's thirty five. <laughs> he's DOA guys. He's he's already dead. He's, <laughs> he'll, he'll travel here in a coffin. And then I, I like the Mike place. Hoffman move a lot. I just feel like I, we would never spend twenty five million dollars on Mike Hoffman. Yeah, it's the term for me. It's the five years. That's the. I don't it's only thirty-six. Five-year deal. There's no way he gets a five-year deal. It doesn't make sense, especially in a uh, flat cap. There's I don't know about no that. Way. Yeah, they're saying it's only going to go up a million a year at most. Like it's in the flat cap era is going to be three to four years. With some yeah. of the deals that have been signed, I could see somebody doing it. That's the sad thing. Well, you have to be ballsy. You have to be ballsy right now. You gotta, you gotta make your moves. You but is he it. the guy you want to take the risk on? I just feel like there's. Yeah. Depends if you think you can get there. the old Hoffman, a 30-goal scoring Hoffman. Because if you think you can, there's yeah, not but... many projectable 30-goal scores in this free agency, right? He could not Jones have a one target. 26, DB. Don't get out of here. Did he not Seth have Jones a 30-goal? He... Oh, Seth Jones. You're talking about Seth Jones. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm yelling at DB in the chat. I'm sorry. Jay, who are your UFAs you would hunt after? All right. Well, who I would want the Ducks to go after or who I think the Ducks will go after? Well, if you made two lists, spill it. All right, so the ones I think the uh, the Ducks management will actually go after are Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha, Andre uh, Andrew Cogliano, Bobby Ryan, Corey Perry, Kyle Palmieri, Nick right, Benino, we get, we get Brandon Montour. I'm not done. Botnin, Brunson, uh, Frederick Anderson, and Matthew Perot. How long did it take you to go through all the free agents and find out how not many that long, former actually, ducks? Not that long. <laughs> like I just start going through. Like, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. And I think that's how Bob Murray kind of does it. He's, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. Let's 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 throw money at him. See what happens. Anyways. Maybe he'll come play away. Maybe he'll come play. Say, yeah, we'll, we'll bring the all game back, and uh, everyone will forget <laughs> my poor asset management. I got all the guys back. What's uh, that movie with Matthew McConaughey where he runs into all the ghosts of his ex-girlfriends? I feel like that's what Jay thinks Bob's oh, yeah. free agency period is like. It's just him <laughs> running into the ghosts of all the guys he shipped out. Uh, now, so anyways, that, that being said, we have a lot of ex-Ducks players that we could sign. <laughs> but, yeah, and all of them are gone for nothing, which is asset management. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, but now we can get them all back, and it's perfect. <laughs> now we didn't lose anything. Everyone can be happy with Bob Murray. <laughs> just all our cap space. <laughs> Um, quite honestly, this one, uh, kind of, 
blends both together. I think uh, Hackenpah, I think, might actually be a nice pickup because yeah. Flurry left, and that's who we got for him. And I think they were very comparable players. We just maybe wanted to see a little bit more from Flurry just because we didn't get to see more of that potential, but he's gone. But now Hakenpa is available, so at least a shot-blocking defenseman. He showed that he could be capable in Carolina, so why not bring him back to try to just fill out that 5-6 role? Um, and then uh, Suter, same as um, uh, Steven said, I thought he had a a really good rookie year. Uh, I think he had something like 50 odd games. He had 14 goals. And that was oh, a pious. Pious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah pious not, not right. Pious. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I just said suitor. I didn't even give the first name, <laughs> but, um, but 14 goals on, you know, and he's 25. So he's not like really young, young, mm-hmm. but to do it on a Chicago team where they didn't have Taves there. Uh, so uh, they, you know, it's not like he got thrown into the lambs. Yeah. He got thrown in there and he did he did lambs. well. And I figure like I don't know. <laughs> lambs or lions. The vicious lambs. The very <laughs> yes. vicious lambs that we, anyway, we are uh, we are an unforgiving bunch, we are. Um and then uh Vertanen, I thought that was good because I felt like the ducks had tried to get Vertanen and because he's not getting a qualifying offer. There might be the potential to get him at a discount, and that's kind of what Bob Murray likes to do anyways. Give it a shot, and then uh, Eddie's favorite, Tatar, because he'll probably be a cheap option, and he seems like he was pretty much pushed to the side on Montreal. And at this point, he, you know, because of his season, a little bit of injury towards the end, you know, he didn't quite hit that potential, but I still feel he has a lot to bring to a team, and he might be that show-me contract, just something that kind of helps you out for a season or two. And you, you kind of need some of that veteran presence a little bit to maybe just kind of show the other guys, hey, you know, this is how we do it. And he seemed like a really good team player. And who knows? We might even get that one Montreal fan that says, I'm willing Ta-ta. to bet that Eddie has him on his list too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm guessing so anyways, the... those four. Those four I thought were all right, but I just, you know, I didn't think there were a lot of fits for I like for the, the Tatar option. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. I think it's my favorite out of Jay's. So I'll take Tater. Yeah. I'm figuring the uh, Vertan and stuff is just based off of Bob Murray's interest in him earlier in the year, right? Mostly, yeah. Okay. Like they were they were close to kind of getting him anyway, so it was like, well, now that they're not being qualified, and it was in the same draft as Nick Ritchie, so I mean, there's that <laughs> obvious connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you get, now you get a 2014. Yeah. Now, like, and if you sign Nick Ritchie, you get both of them. So Bob Murray can dial up uh, Mark uh, Bergeron for uh, advice on drafting. Or I'm taking Jake for because he just drafted Logan Mayu, so they can uh, they can talk about drafting guys who are having issues off the ice and and see how that one goes for for the both of them. Um, all right, I'll get in my targets. We talked about Tatar. Tatar is on my list, so there, there's no surprise there. Tatar Tatar is a guy I've wanted in Anaheim. I think since we started this podcast, since he was with Detroit, it's been since a while. You were born. Yeah, pretty much. He's yeah. been. Uh, Forbidden fruit for you. You can keep chasing that guy. Been my guy. He finally hits free agency, and <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a there's a chance here. So he he's near the top of my list. I've got Blake Coleman uh, on the list as well. I've got Eric Halla, and then round out my fours. I've thought about him too. I like Halla a lot. Yeah, I round out my fours with a sympathy pick in, in Corey Perry, just because mm. one year one mil. I would I wouldn't mind having him back. And I've only added one defenseman because I literally only like one defenseman in free agency, and it's Jake McCabe from the oh. Buffalo Sabres. 
So, uh, but my my two favorites are are Tatar and McCabe. And Tatar's projected contract was three years at just over five. I actually think he could get less than that just because he was barely used by uh, Montreal. And teams have some concerns about his playoff production, which means the competitive teams could be scared off of him. He could not have but as we'd many be options. Fine with yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we're not going to make the playoffs. All we what, need what is the his regular playoffs? season production. But uh, yeah, he, uh, if, if you look at past production and his points over the last couple seasons, of all the free agents outside of like the real elite guys like Landis Cog and Ovechkin, he's the top point producer out of all of them. And don't it, don't say Ovechkin's a free. Well, agent. he is. He still he's is. He's not. He's as much as Getzloff is. He's not. All right. He's a re-signing. But <laughs> he's not on the market. Wait, they're both going to Montreal. What? Yeah, no, oh, Toronto. Uh, I think they're all going to Toronto. <laughs> but uh, to Tatar for three years, uh, under five, you can get him for like four point eight, four point nine. It's not too bad. I, I, That's I think... a terrible contract. Isn't he like thirty two? Pretty... No, thirty. He's thirty. So you have one potential one bad year out of that. And, you know, listen, we know that the Ducks need help on the wing. Right now, it's Comtois Jones, no Heine because he's gone, Raquel Terry, Silverberg, who's out for the beginning part of the year. Then we're relying on Milano, Volkov to maybe step up and produce for them. There needs to be an injection of some scoring talent on this. And if you can get Tatar for three by four, I think it's one of the better options out there. Like Coleman's contract was like four by almost five for the projection. And guys like Brandon Sod were projected at like four, four by almost five as well. Like he is value wise the better option at the lower term. Okay. Ignoring, uh, because like, let's just say, right, they get Thomas Tatar, let's just say 25 goals. Okay. Let's just accept that that's a good line. Other than literally 25 goals, I don't understand what the upside Thomas Tatar brings to this team. He had 61 Un- points in 2019-2020. Last year was a down year. Un- unless this team is expected to compete in that second year. The, and I the, just the thing is, I don't think they have horses to do that. So I, I you can't be I bad forever, and I and I think you need to interject. No, for sure, I don't disagree. Some but I'd rather just keep Raquel. Yeah, and, and Dude, I think you could. I think you could Mike Hoffman. Yeah. For a year. Well, to trade him down the line. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. Well, you could still well, do that Tatar. with Tatar. Just get him and trade him down the line. And I'd be fine with that, but yeah. I don't want to sign Tatar to a three-year deal. Is my thing, and I and I, I'm not trying to be like contrary. I just yeah. It's hard for me to see the value in committing that cap space to a over thirty winger for the entirety of what should be the last couple years of this rebuild. Yeah, my, this my, is what I wanted, not what they'll do. <laughs> By yeah. the way, they'll do nothing. Yeah, they will. They won't, they won't do much. And I think Bob Murray came out and literally said like they're going to be yeah, more active in the trades. trade market than in free agency. So, do I? I think they'll they'll uh, sign. Tatar, no, but of all the forwards available at kind of the high end above like a $3 million range, Tatar's my guy because even if he comes in and he doesn't give you 25 goals and he gives you, you know, 19, 20, and 40, 45 points, he throughout his career on bad teams has been a play driving forward. The underlying numbers have always been positive for Thomas Tatar. He's going to positively impact your roster, even if he's struggling to put up points. Inject him in a in a roster with the Trevor Zegers and 
you know, Troy Terry and Comtois, and then you have Raquel, who can, you know, is one of the older forwards on the team. You've kind of injected, I guess you can call Thomas Tatar another veteran in here, and you're not locked into a four- or five-year contract where it, it it is movable. And you can eat salary on that where you're not going to be feeling it for, you know, three or four years down the road. You have Tatar for this year. If it doesn't pan out, you, you know, you Maybe eat a little year. bit, or you trade him, and it's only two years left on the deal. And if yeah. he's done decently well for the team which even on down years he's shown he can do it and and honestly he just wasn't given a chance as it, this past year in Montreal because he relied heavily on guys like Nick Suzuki and then when Cole Caulfield came in he kind of took Tatar's spot for the playoffs and you know we know Tatar's playoff history he's benched in Vegas and benched now in Montreal in the playoffs I just feel like there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna be scared off on that the price might come down and it just might fit in the range for the Ducks, but uh, the one guy I want to, I do want to talk about on the more realistic side of things is Jake McCabe, because the Ducks have a real problem with that number five or number six spot, whatever you want to call it, with the only options really being Jacob Larson and Josh Mahura. The other spots are presumably filled if everybody's healthy. It's Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, Shattenkirk, and Drysdale. Then we've got Larson, Mahura, you know, Gooley, who could fill Hack in there. If Hackenpuff, if he comes back. <laughs> uh, but Jake McCabe is, is just an inter- interesting case because over the three years he's been with the Sabres, uh, over the last three years he's been with the Sabres, they've been an awful team. Most of that team's defense has had just abysmal numbers. And and, and just and really... And forwards. Yeah, yeah, and, and not pretty underlying numbers in, in, in when it comes to puck possession and just kind of possibly impacting the lineup. He's been paired with Rista Linen, who has some of the worst numbers in the league, and people really got on the flyers for what they gave up to get Rista Linen. Somehow he's come out on top of that with some of the best numbers across the league. And his season got cut short to just 13 games last year because he had uh, basically blown the shit out of his knee. You know, he tore ACL, <laughs> MCL, and a meniscus in his right knee, projected to be out six to eight months, could be back for the start of the year just provides a, a serviceable depth option for Anaheim and, and a guy they don't have. And what we lost in Hackenpot, in, in a real physical shutdown defenseman, but one whose numbers actually prove that he can play that role on a bad team. Very good penalty killer. Yeah. Very good defensive zone, not a scoring guy for sure. Exactly. And I, and I think that's your six. When you look at, you know, Fowler is, is going to be, you know, he's not a premier point producer, but for us, he's going to be a guy who's going to put the puck in the back of that and be. But a, I would take Jake McCabe over Jack and Larson every day of the week. Exactly. And, and Drysdale is going to be relied on for offense. And to some extent, Shattenkirk and Lindholm are as well. And really, the only shutdown guy, if he's still here, is going to be Manson. And I think adding a guy like McCabe who's proven he can do that on a struggling team with a partner who's proven he can't do that, I think he provides an, an option to that Ducks blue line that we don't have. And and a little bit of a stopgap that Manson's not relied on to just be the only guy who can do that on this roster. And I guess to some extent, uh, Hampus Lindholm as well. So on a realistic side of things, like McCabe is projected a one-year, just over $1 million deal because people are going to be scared off because of that injury and whether he can start the year. The Ducks don't need him to start the year. They really don't because they do have Larson and Gouley. What's his projected contract? It's just it's one year, one point zero two seven million. Oh, take that all day, one yeah. by one. Yeah. So yeah. even if it's a one by one point five, you know, even if it's something like that, like take it because I don't think any team is going to give him more than two with the knee injury. I really don't. I think it's going to be a one year. And he's twenty seven. It's yeah. not like he's twenty three. 
see what you can do, see if you're healthy. The Ducks have some options in Gooley and Larson Mahur that they don't have to rush him back. When he does come into the lineup, see how he fits. And, and I, th- I just really think he provides the Ducks blue line something they don't have. And if he does well, he automatically he's young enough that he can be a player for when you're a better team. A guy who could be a really good number five for your team. Or a guy who could play up and play with a Drysdale and be that shutdown guy so Drysdale can flourish offensively. Like I, I just think there's a lot of options for that guy on the left side. He's a lot different than what we already have on our left side in, in Lindholm and Fowler. And uh, for the price, you can't go wrong. And if, if his knee is, is fucked... Well, it's a one-year, $1 million deal. Move on. That's it. I'm you sound like Bob Murray right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard the same thing about Heatley. Not necessarily the knee. It was a one mil, one year. Give it a shot. Yeah. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? Don't re-sign him. Let's get to the fun ones. Let's get to the RFAs. Um, I'll get mine out of the way because neither one of them are going to happen. They got uh, close to the same, I, I think. It's, it's, okay. So neither one of these are going to happen, but one of them is very, very, very far-fetched. And I'll start with that one, which is Kevin Fiala. He's not coming to Anaheim. He's going to re-sign in Minnesota, but I actually like him. And I looked at RFA-wise, he's probably going to get overpaid to shit. But um, the other one for me was pa- uh, Patrick Laine, which we've been begging for for a long time. Um, and I actually see that as maybe an option that could happen here, but I don't see Bobby doing it. If yeah. he does, it's through a trade, and then you'd have to sign him. So, and the and thing, we only have what? The thing I find we with these like, two. We're saying like 12, 13 mil? Yeah. And, and, like, even if Line A wants to come here and doesn't want to stay in Columbus. They're saying bridge deal is what they're thinking. Yeah, but Columbus has has the cap space to match it if they wanted to, right? Because everyone left. Yeah. But... Well, yeah, yeah, even Torch <laughs> is gone. So maybe he's like, maybe I'll stay. And, and Line A was one of mine. Know. And the only way I think it, it actually is possible and where Columbus could just say, man, you're if you were offered him $9 million, whatever the compensation is for that, I think it's like a first, a second, and a third round pick. I could see them, the position that they're trending towards, potentially taking that because they've traded a lot of their older pieces. They're in full rebuild mode. For, yeah. yeah, they brought in Bean and Bockfuss, and they did really well in the draft this year, and they're starting to kind of full rebuild. I know trading Atkins and Vavorchek maybe doesn't doesn't signal that, but you're bringing in an but older Atkinson player. But Atkinson shit on the franchise. Yeah, and, and it's a lateral move. and Seth Jones is gone. Yeah, Seth Jones was traded out literally for – all picks Panarin, and prospects. Which Yarmo destroyed Chicago in that trade. Yeah. Let's just all recognize that. Seth Jones is a great player, but he got, I think, two first-round picks and Bockfist for him. And then, <laughs> then Yarmo went and destroyed uh, Carolina and got Jake Bean for nothing, a guy that we thought Carolina or that Seattle was going to take in the expansion draft and didn't. So I could see them potentially accepting an offer that they're just not comfortable matching. Like They just don't want to match it and then have the headache of moving that. They'll take whatever they would get in compensation is essentially trade pieces for line A and just saying, all right, you know what? Nine and a half or whatever by seven. We don't want to do that. We don't want to try and move him at that contract and, and try and find a, a fit for a team that can fit nine and a half. You know, you, I guess you're that fit and here's the, you know, we'll give you the, the, the first, second and third round pick. And Steven's acting crazy here. But I don't know. Yeah. He's I, crazy. I, I think of the RFAs out there, it is the <laughs> most likely option where a team could just say, you know what? We'll take the compensation. We don't want to deal with the headache. You know, Vancouver's not going to do that with Pedersen and Hughes. Carolina's not going to do that with Sveshnikov. Columbus just seems like they could possibly do that, just the direction their franchise is going in. Unload, yeah. Steven. I, I just... <laughs> I don't think... 
that Patrick Laine has done anything to warrant a (laughs) seven-year deal and surrendering that type of draft capital. I I would be much more I like honestly if it was just like um Manson and Raquel for line eight, that would make much more sense to me. You don't think he's worth a first, I, I second, would... and a third? With the what? prices we just saw, you don't think he's worth a first, second, and third round pick? This is an overpriced not market. Anaheim's right? first next year. No, not at all. That's gonna be a top ten pick. Yeah, but it, unless it's a top three pick, I will take line eight over Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth overall next year. I, 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 I understand that because he scores goals and that goal scoring upside is so high. Twenty three this year. But I just he's really old. Man, I am, I am, I am. I just think you could make a much more reasonable deal making a trade and signing him to a three or four year deal and risking down the line needing to give him. Oh, well, that's key. what I'm saying. Get him by trade, not by offer sheet. Offer sheet was insane. I would, yeah, I would I trade for him all day. I would much yeah. rather trade for him. Like, I'd love to bring him in, but I, I just don't want to give up those picks. No way. I'd say trade and then a trade with the, with the you know, they all say they don't talk to people before the move happens because you can't do that, but they all do. You would never trade for line A if you got here and he was like, peace, trade me. Yeah. Like, there's no way. They would never do it. So Yeah, yeah. that, that would be my biggest thing is, like, he's already, he, he hated being in Winnipeg. He doesn't like being in Columbus. Anaheim's really going to spark his interest of a place to be, and that's you know, oh, this this franchise is really moving forward. Can't There's wait to players, be a part of this crap. Yeah, yeah, and he's in so yeah, exactly. better weather I mean, than any place he's been. Okay, so the weather, and by the way, it was humid as hell today. It was raining. What the hell was up with that? But some random monsoon shit. I don't know. All right, but he's got a crappy team. He's he was in a much better team in Winnipeg. Two year last year, uh, not so much in Columbus, but Columbus finished better than we did. So he's going to come to Anaheim, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, after this one's done, um, I can't wait to just be part re- of this. You get to be a my career on this in team, Anaheim. play with Trevor Zegers. You know he's going to bag thirty plus goals if he does. Like I think he's going to bag thirty plus goals no matter where he plays, um, and he'd rather win because his whole thing was, "I'm better than." I know, but he said, I'm better than Austin Matthews. I should go first. He was confident he was going to go first oh, over yeah. well, Austin that, Matthews. I think, I think that dick swinging contest, he lost. Yeah, but... yeah well, I mean, Winnipeg's <laughs> won more play, uh, playoff series than Toronto. Pat Maroon's won more cups than him, so I guess he's a better player. Yeah. Yeah. Pierre, du- than... Pierre Luc Dubois got the last laugh out of the three of them, huh? Yeah. So far. The, the one thing with line is, in what world do we win that trade? Because they're not going to take Raquel and Manson. Why would they do that? They're rebuilding. They're going to want prospects. They're going to want picks in a trade for line A. If they sign him, which they're not going to trade his rights, it would be a sign in trade. They're going to demand more for, for a player that's under contract. You're going to have to give up a first round pick because it's Patrick line. A which would be next year. Maybe you can lottery protect it because you're now trading as an asset, but you're going to likely lose prospects, whether that's Jacob Perot or, you know, another one of our younger prospects. Okay, but I would much rather trade Perot, who is a like for like. That makes way more sense but to me. But a next first year. round pick and Jacob Perot, you're not just going to give them Jacob Perot for Patrick Line. Like we, yes, Patrick Line had a down well, year, I, but it's okay. still Patrick. Line. Everybody wants picks in next year's draft too. It's, it's way better yeah. than this draft by all accounts. Yeah. So you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna get him for I cheap. Mean, they're not gonna trade him for nothing. They gave up. They're not Dubois gonna get him, him at all. 
we're all hey, arguing over Jake the fact that the guy we're not going to get. Hey, man, put me in the, you know, the WWE. Sorry, it's just a bubble where you guys are all happy. Are, are, are we 100% sure we wouldn't rather trade, like, Lundestrom, Perot, Mahura, and two second rounders? Like, I'd rather like, make that but trade. But I don't think that gets done. I don't think they trade him for, unless they're getting a first-round pick or a top yeah, prospect because they gave up Pierre-Luc Dubois for him. And if that's the case, then like you just like just offer. Which also was I messed up the that offer sheet compensation. By the they way, they already blew the first trade. They're not gonna do it again. Yeah, no. Jay, who are you? You uh, your RFA's? Uh, line A. Let's go with that. Okay, perfect. Let's uh, talk about him again. We haven't got to him yet. I, <laughs> I, I do want to point uh, out I messed up the totally happens. the compensation for RFA. So the first, second, and third round pick is if he signed for anything between six point one and eight point two. If he signed for anything between 8.2 and 10.2, it's two first-round picks and then a third. Oh. So I think that if it's two firsts, a second, and a third, I'm out. If it's a first, second, and a third, so he signs, let's say, for like eight, eight by six or something, eight by seven, a first, second, and a third, I'm comfortable giving that up. And that would be next year's okay. draft. I, th- I think okay. you, I don't think you can choose the picks, and I think they have to be. No, it has to be year. the next the so. next year. I'm fine with that. A first, second, and a third next year for Patrick Laine. I'm... I'm fine with it because I don't think I don't think with Line on this team, I don't think you're your bottom five. I don't think I think you're you're probably still missed the playoffs because the Ducks don't have a lot of pieces to compete with some teams. And I just I don't think you're bottom five. Um, and you know you, you you risk winning the lottery and and missing out on a Shane Wright or whatever. But you're the price you have to pay for Patrick Line, whether you trade for him or you you okay. But let me ask sheet. you this. Who do you, I, 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 this is a shitty question, and I'm putting you on the spot, and I apologize. <laughs> but like, is there a world in which Patrick Line is a better player long term than Brad Lambert? Oh, I don't. Even or want, Shane I don't Pine. even want to get in that discussion. I maybe, but we don't know I'm who. Sorry, they are. who? They're draft eligible next players year's next draft year. Next year's draft picks. I just the 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 noise around them is. So considerable. I mean, the noise around Patrick Line and Austin Matthews was considerable to the point that, like Jay right, mentioned, Line was challenging of years him. of watching Patrick Line sure. and watching him fade in and out, of watching him not hit that, of watching him like I, he he was upset right, because he didn't get used the way he wanted to. Now, I imagine if he comes to Anaheim, they uh, you know uh, nuclear code briefcase handcuff him to Trevor Zegers and that's just what it is and maybe that's enough but I just think you're really committing to a player that still has question marks and is not yet a hyper consistent goal scorer like I just think there is a little there is a little bit more risk than it seems like you think in my opinion fair points all right last thing I want to hit touch on before we end the show here uh, I'm going to read off the contract projections for our four RFAs, not going to include Mahura and Getzlaff. You tell me, you guys each tell me if you think they get higher or lower than Evolving Hockey's contract uh, projections. Okay. Rapid fire this. Yep. Okay, Getzlaff, one year, $2.6 million. Higher or lower? Higher. Higher. Higher? Okay. Jones, lower. two years, $1.6. A- 1.6 AAV, so 3.2. I think it's about equal, though. I think it's equal for me. I'll say, I'd say higher. I'd say higher. Uh, I could see him getting three by two. Like three million? 
By two. No, three no, years. Okay. Interesting one. Sam Steele's projection was two years by two. Just over Lower, two. Lower. Hopefully it's like league minimum. Jeez. Can we just qualify his <laughs> offer to be a PTO? I, I, yeah, I think it'd be lower, but not that much lower, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it's going to be around one and a half, two, I think. Uh, Linderstrom, two years by one point one. Higher, higher, higher. And Maxim Comtois, two years by two point seven five. A higher. A bit, a fair bit higher, I would imagine. He's in the three. He's the most interesting he's sco- one. He's he scores more goals. How many? All right. Let me ask this question. What is your guys' <laughs> dream contract for Comtois? I, I don't know. It's, 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 I feel like uh, you can go a million minimum. ways. <laughs> yeah. League yeah, minimum for eight years. Whatever the max. Right, 750K for eight years. <laughs> I would say I would say three by like three by three. That's what I would do. Yeah. It's real simple. That three this three, is how three, they'll three, do it. Five. How many points did they get the season before? Now, Last season is going to be a little bit difficult, so project it out if it was 82. So if he had 80, say he was projected out 82 games and he was projected to get 40 points, that's 4 million. Now, if he's heavy on the goals, <laughs> if he's that's how they do it. And if they're heavy on the goal scoring side, it goes higher. You yeah, know, 16 goals like in 55 games. All right. Well, how, what was his point total? 33. 33, so you could probably project he'd, he'd probably be a little bit closer to four. I, I what's, think what's, what, if he gets... What's his way? What, I, I'm really bad at math. If you had to expand it over 82 games, what is that? Sorry, what was, so, the, well, what was the, the point 32, total? yeah. What was the well, point You almost have to double it, but then take a little bit off. 32 <laughs> points? He was like in the 50s. 32 over 50, what? 55. 33 and 55. Yeah. It would be <laughs> 24 points. goals. 49 points. Damn. So just, Damn. just south of fifty. Damn. So he's he's making he's going to be probably right around the four mil mark. Uh, I I think he only gets that if he gets four or five years. I think yeah. if he gets two or three years, he's getting if he gets he a little bit of a discount like and he's and younger, so that that's important too. Yeah. But yeah, he turns twenty three next year in January. DB Lowry you, said you his dream contract for him would be a Raquel contract. What Raquel got? I think yeah, Raquel no got like five by three point nine or something. Mm-hmm. As long as he doesn't peter off and trail off and not get, not be good anymore uh, through the through the second half of it, yeah. But, but what's crazy is that's that's how you can tell what they're going to probably project is you can do the points and then that's that's the million and then if they score more goals you add a little bit more like a half a million or <laughs> it's Jason's weird right. it, work, it works across the board it works unless it's like oh he did that at twenty two and he had like sixty points then they go like. Just throw money at him. Whatever he needs, just throw money at him. If Jason's <laughs> right, then like evolving hockey and all these contract proje- projection analytics guys have to completely rework their model. <laughs> just saying. 90% of the times it works every time. <laughs> the one RFA I wanted to mention, and he got the qualifying offer today, and I'm a little bit bummed, uh, is Athanasiu. I think he would be a great player to bring to Anaheim. Where um, is he going to LA still? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. But he plays with speed. He plays with aggression. Can't score. Uh, he does score goals, though. Barely. He's not an elite goal scorer, but he's a goal scorer. And he's Andrew the Cosiano. perfect. No. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, I just think he's he's the kind of player I would love to bring into Anaheim. So. All right. Well, see you guys Wednesday when we sign Corey Perry and Jake McCabe. 
I'm sure we do want to show here in the next few days. We got to do a Patreon show. So glad Bobby Ryan's coming back. back. We have to attack the Kraken draft. We haven't touched on any of that. So going to have to get back. What's yeah, a Kraken? Newsflash, we lost Hayden Fleury. So uh, that was yeah. it. Well, That's no, I, wanna, I would love to shit uh, what the Kraken haven't done. So I would love to do a Patreon That would be. I mean, they haven't made the Stanley Cup final yet, so screw yeah, them. Yeah, they're not as good. Maybe we'll circle around and do the show on Sunday, see so everyone's availability as yeah. we're offline. But thank you everybody for tuning in on a Monday night, and we'll be chatting with you guys soon. Stay stay on our Twitter on Wednesdays. I'm sure we're all going to be riled up, and uh, by that I mean Steven and Ed, and we'll have fun. So we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys. Later, everybody.